0: All right, Buffalo Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, but a very special mega podcast coming to you this week. You know, it's the bye week for the Buffalo Bills. And as we put this together, I figured why not get the three hardest working men in Buffalo Bills podcasting together for a mega podcast? And when I say the three hardest working men, that does not include myself, because these guys are all over the place with you, bringing great content each and every week. First up for us today, you guys know him here from buffalorumblings.com. He is the host of the Bruce exclusive. Mr. Bruce Nolan, how you doing today, pal?
1: I am fantastic. It's it's a wonderful weekend. I'm gonna be a really relaxed football fan. I'm sure I'm not gonna get involved in anything emotionally. There's zero emotional ties to any of these games. I'm gonna be able to enjoy it as an observer, and it's it's gonna be a good time. I'm gonna get caught up on some draft work this weekend.
0: Well, and I know you've been incredibly busy appearing on multiple shows your own shows, so I appreciate you taking the time and, and speaking of multiple shows he's the host of the Draft Dude podcast as well as Locked On Bills uh, just one of the all-time great guys that's always willing to jump on with us Joe Marino how you doing today bud?
2: I'm well I'll be doing better if you tell me that uh, Cincinnati wins by more than six and Ohio State covers <laughs> 20 and a half later today but uh, other than that doing great looking for the bye week. It's always a good time to just not think about the bills and watch other football. And so that's what I'm anxious to do.
0: Well, it sounds like a couple of uh, best bets there for everybody that's uh, that's listening. But by the time this is posted, those games will probably be over. So uh, you can reach out to Joe and, and see if that ended up working out for him or not. And finally, our third guest today, one of the newest members of the Buffalo Rumblings family, but again, just doing a great job with the Code of Conduct podcast as well as with the Chop Up live on all of our social media channels and YouTube. Following each game, it's Jay Spence, the King.
3: Jay Spence, how you doing? Good, sir. How's it going, man? I'm I'm having a good week. So I I know we this week is a loss, you know, a lost week. But it's good. We're seven and three going into the bye. It's time to get healthy. I'm I'm having a good week.
0: Jay Spence, before we get into all the details and the different topics we're going to discuss, why don't you tell people where they can find uh, everything that you're doing on the YouTube channel for BuffaloRumblings.com? It's certainly something new for us, and I think if you can uh, tell people where they can find that, uh, something new for us that I think they would want to check out.
3: Absolutely so um, obviously if you're following Buffalo Rumblings on Facebook or on Twitter you're absolutely going to be able to see it when we live stream every week Um, you can also go to YouTube and just search Buffalo Rumblings and you will you know you'll be able to pull us up and just subscribe there and you know you'll be able to see all the good stuff that we have coming out on on YouTube we have a a ton of new content coming out as well um, as the chop up like Anthony mentioned.
0: Well, it's a great addition to everything that we're doing, and I encourage everyone to check it out. Uh, It's been a lot of fun so far. Obviously, you and Mookie Hawkins interacting with fans each and every week um, live. And again, you're getting that instant reaction following the game. So, you know, guys, as we've done these mega podcasts before, right? I mean, we're just going to jump right in as we go through a couple of these different topics. Uh, The last time that we did one together, right, at least for myself, Joe, and Bruce, was around the draft. We had a lot of fun with it, but. You know, now here we are at the bye week, and I think we take a look at this right now. And you know, I'm curious to th- hear your expectations. I mean, for myself, right here, the Bills are at seven and three. Uh, I find myself pretty happy for the most part with the the way things have turned out and how they've been performing. But there's some different narratives out there. There's some folks that trying to kind of grasp things. I mean. As you go through with this, Bruce, I mean, when you talk about your expectations for the rest of the season, heading into what we probably would all expect the playoffs, you know, what are your expectations so far and how have you looked at the first 10 weeks of the season?
1: Coming into this year, I took a little bit of heat for picking the bills to go nine and seven. And so far, the time up to the bye has looked pretty similar to the way that I thought it would go. The significant differences in the back half of the schedule. In the back part of the schedule after the bye, there are two games in particular that do not look nearly as daunting as they might have initially, to me anyway, when I was picking the Bills to go 9-7. That is the Broncos and the 49ers. The Broncos have not seen Drew Locke take that next step that they wanted to. They lost Cortland Sutton. And coming into the year, there was, oh my gosh, all this speed available on this Broncos offense and their ability with Melvin Gordon and with Philip Lindsay to wear you down. And it just hasn't necessarily come around for the Broncos the way that a lot of people thought it was going to. The other part is the San Francisco 49ers and the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo's injury in general ineffectiveness. They've had rotating running backs all through their wide receiver core has been decimated. It is a scenario where both of those games look like Now, because of the pressure being applied to the Buffalo Bills from the Miami Dolphins, not only are they win a bowl games, they might be must win games. And that's really the difference in the shift in my perspective, my expectations versus my reality is that before they were daunting games that we were going to be challenged to overcome. And now those two games specifically, as I look forward on the schedule, those two games are not only winnable, they're probably must wins. And so I think that the way that we have obtained 7-3 and probably looks a lot different than the way that Buffalo Bills fans might have thought qualitatively the team would look. You know, Josh Allen being an MVP candidate, throwing the ball all over the field, and the defense regressing very seriously, Specific, specific players like Tremaine Edmonds taking a step back and regressing a little bit due to his shoulder injury, Matt Milano not being available. These are things that we weren't necessarily expecting. So there are some things that look different than what we we're expecting, and there's some things that look the same as what we were expecting, but just have a different twist on them. So for me, that's the way that I view the way the season has gone so far and the way the season looks moving forward.
0: Joe, I want to get your take here, and I'll add an additional question to this because I think – and Bruce, not to put words in your mouth, but maybe there's an assumption that that Pittsburgh Steelers game that'll be coming up on Sunday night football, right? I mean, a lot of fans may be chalking that one up as a loss. Talk to me about your expectations, but maybe as it ties in you know, to that matchup as well that many of us have circled on our calendars.
2: Well, I, I think Bruce did a really good job of outlining how – I don't think there's a whole lot of surprise that the Bills are 7-3. and three. The manner in which they got there is the story, Um would love to put this year's offense with last year's defense. Uh, I think, <laughs> right, right? I mean, that'd be beautiful. Um, I swung pretty hard on my preseason predict, prediction for Josh Allen. I predicted him to complete 62.8% of his passes for 4,115 yards, 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 92 rating, uh, 560 yards on the ground, seven or eight more touchdowns. I thought I swung hard. I didn't swing hard enough. Right. So, I mean, like even for somebody who was aggressive in their expectations for Josh Allen this year, he's exceeded those. And so um, there's I mean, the story is Josh Allen, this offense and probably just as much as that is the defensive side of this. And so I never thought the defense would take this much of a step back injuries played into that. But um, I don't think there's much surprise that they're seven and three. Uh, as far as that Steelers matchup goes, you know, the Steelers are undefeated and not taking anything away from wins over like Baltimore and Tennessee they had no business winning that Baltimore game by the way they wound up winning by 4 points and they beat Tennessee by 3 their resume of wins is very very not impressive and it's suspect right it is and i think i've always been the person who cautions fans from expecting too much like i i tried like when the bills played the dolphins last year when the bills played the jets this year I feel like I overcompensate during my podcast throughout the week and trying to, like, create respect for these opponents because it is NFL football. And I know we're talking about a 9-0 and team, but I don't think that's they've been challenged. I don't think Pittsburgh's been challenged like the Bills are going to challenge them. And I mean, they play the Jaguars next, and then they have the Ravens again, Washington, and then they play the Bills. So I don't know that they won't be, like, worst-case scenario, like, 12 and one or so going in 11 and one going into this game. So I like the bills coming back home uh, I, in this game uh, and an important statement opportunity for the football team. So yeah, that's one that you look at it and say it's a nine and and0 team. And I don't want to take anything away from them because they have really good defensive personnel. Mike Tomlin's an amazing head coach, Ben Roethlisberger's back and, and playing reasonably well. They have weapons, but that's not one that I look at and, and feel the same you just don't feel like it's necessarily an undefeated team at this point.
0: Right. No, I'm I'm certainly with you there and I appreciate that perspective. Jay Spence, from your standpoint and, and obviously you and I will text back and forth and when we talk about expectations sometimes even coming after a a, a victory right that might not be the prettiest win for the Buffalo Bills and I send you that little text saying just a win is a win. But, you know, when you talk about your expectations for the rest of the season, what the team has done so far, um, I always appreciate your perspective and I'd love to get it here.
3: Well, for starters, I agree with Joe that, um, you know, with the the game coming up, you know, in a few weeks against Pittsburgh, I don't look at that as a game that that the Bills, you know, are immediate or automatic. You know, favors to lose. I think that they're the matchup actually is a little bit better. I think that our defense is getting healthy, and I think that they're starting to figure things out. So I think, again, with that game, is it's a game that we can and we possibly, um, I think we should win. Not, I don't think that we'll dominate by any, but I think that we should win if we're performing up to, you know, our potential. Um, as far as the rest of the second half of the season. I don't know if I, I can uh, agree with Mr. Exclusive with the 9-7 and seven <laughs> prediction early on uh, with the with the second half going really, really rough. I, I think that the only games right now that I am really concerned about would be that Pittsburgh game. And then also if things end up really coming down to the end of the season and we have to play against a Miami team that's confident at the end of the season for a division. I don't think it will come down to that because I, I don't quite believe in it yet as far as where he is in his career. So I don't think it will get to the point where it comes down to week 17. But if it does, that would be my only concern, because I really don't want a a healthy Josh Allen playing week 17, knowing that we have the playoffs coming up. I would like for him to get that little bit of rest. So that's my outlook on the the rest of the season. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we can end the season off 12 and four. That's what I'm looking for.
0: Well, listen. Let me ask you guys a question, and, and any of you can jump in at, at this point with this one. I was listening earlier in the week to the Howard Simon show with Jeremy White on WGR five hundred and fifty, and I always appreciate the the work that those guys do. Their show each and every week, and Howard was talking about expectations for the team. And, and there's this a bit of a narrative. It's not just it comes from him. I see it from fans online. I mean, you guys interact with so many Bills fans on Twitter and other outlets talking about the expectations well you know the bills have to at least win a playoff game this season like that 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 ties into whether or not the season is a success and in some ways i feel like we're beyond that point right when you look to the 2017 season ending the drought after so many years just ending the drought was was the goal at the time last year obviously look at them getting to the wild card but now when you talk about some expectations and saying like yeah I expect the team to win the AFC East, I expect them to get to the playoffs. But I don't look at things and say oh it'll be successful if they win a playoff game, like cuz then if they lose another playoff game, I'm not going to sit back and just be satisfied with that. I mean, when fans talk about that, I question that narrative because isn't the goal to win the AFC East, get to the playoffs and to win the Super Bowl? Like anything less than that when you get to a certain point, you know, that's that's not a, a a successful season if you win a first round playoff game, I guess, in in my mind. And I'm not saying it in any sort of like hot takeaway that it's Super Bowl or bust, but I don't know if the Bills lose in the first round of the playoffs to the Baltimore Ravens or if they beat the Ravens and then lose to the Chiefs. Like, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm feeling better or worse about the season. I mean, Bruce, what do, what do you have to say on this?
1: I think that success is not binary. I don't think there's either success or failure. I, I, I've never really believed in that. I think goals are too complicated for that. If you say you set a goal of, you know, accumulating a hundred of specific widgets, and you accumulate ninety-nine, you accumulated ninety-nine one hundredths of your goal. You didn't just binary. I missed my goal. You accumulated a ninety-nine percent of your goal. So I think when it comes to the bills, if you win a playoff game what you are doing for the entire offseason. And I'm thinking through this as far as narrative goes. We are already hearing after two one and duns in the playoffs in the last two years, we are already hearing the Sean McDermott is just Marvin Lewis. (laughs) Right. We're already hearing that. All of us in the content creation community, we're already hearing that. And I don't like dealing with that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have to spend the entire off season after three, one and done's in the last four years saying is Sean McDermott, Marvin Lewis. And so for me, winning a playoff game represents avoiding that conversation. And that's good <laughs> enough. That's an extreme success in Fresh. my opinion. I mean, that, that is an extreme success. Just not having to deal with that conversation for four unbelievably long months. Is good enough for me because unfortunately what I'd have to do then is I'd have to go deep dive into Marvin Lewis and deep dive into Sean McDermott, just like I did with the do you remember the narrative we were forced to deal with this past offseason all the time? Josh Jordan is Josh Allen is Blake Bortles and Josh oh Allen God. is Mitchell Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky and the 2017 Bears and the 2018 Jaguars are exactly the same as the 2019 Bills. And I was forced, although it was interesting, to do a pod and series of pods on why that's not true. Now, I'm more than happy to do the work, but I'd prefer to have a more positive research project instead of that. So for me, I think success doesn't necessarily look like let's win the Super Bowl or everything's going to be a disaster. For me, the levels of success are associated with the inevitable fallout that's going to happen when you're trying to keep your thumb on the fan base and you're trying to keep a kind of a pulse on where the fan base is going. And If I don't have to deal with the fan base asking a lot of questions as to whether or not Sean McDermott is Marvin Lewis, I view that as a success.
0: You know what? That is. uh, It would be a hell of a podcast, though, if you had to uh, go through it this offseason. But for you, Bruce, I hope that the Bills win at least one playoff game just so you don't have to do that. Uh, Jay Spence, I know you've got some thoughts on this as well. Where are you at here?
3: Well, so I agree with with Bruce from a content creator perspective, but then also as a fan, just as a fan, I think it's okay for fans to have an expectation of the team to perform and do better than they have in the past. So a lot of times um, I see fans, you know, well, like you, Anthony, you mentioned earlier, a win is a win and we have to be happy with the growth and we have to be, which is very true. But at the same time, um, I also look at it as if, the moment is the moment. So although, yes, this would be a step forward if we were to win one playoff game and then, you know, possibly just play well in that second round or whatever happens. The thing is, if you have the talent this year to compete and you have the talent this year to win, I think it's OK for fans to have that expectation that the Bills go for it. You know, we made some moves during the offseason with some veterans that we brought in. Right now, they haven't played the way we expect them to, like Josh Norman. And, you know, he had some injuries and, you know, other players. A.J. Klein is starting to look better. So the defense that we hope that we get to see, like Joe mentioned earlier, you know, we wish we could add last year's defense to this year's offense. But the thing is, we still have that talent. So for the fans who, who do have the expectation that the Bills should really compete this year and that we do look like one of the better afc teams in the league we should be able to to really try and make it to that final weekend it's okay for you to have that expectation too
0: joe i know you started to jump in a little bit with bruce there as you yelled preach in the background um what are your thoughts here other than the fact that i know you don't want to have to make any comparisons to marvin
2: lewis Yeah. I've already got that question. So uh, (laughs) I felt something move within me when Bruce started saying that and remember how I felt answering that question. Yeah. I I think that since Sean McDermott became the coach of this team, it's done, it's been nothing but incremental steps. And I include 2018 in that because that was a necessary season to get the salary cap right. And there were some tough moments. I mean, that offense to start the year was just awful, but we've seen incremental growth every year and 10 wins and one and done last year. Okay. And I think this year it's the division and finding some success in the playoffs. I do feel deeply motivated as one of my, you know, one of the desires within me, like to not have to have that conversation with bills, mafia at all over the, you know, the off season months. So that, that, fuels, that fuels my desire for playoff success and obviously just being a fan of the team. So I'm not sure I have too much different to add there, but I, I I do, I do feel what Bruce was saying in that please, for, for just the sake of not having to talk about it, give me, give me a playoff dub or two or three.
0: Well, and I'm going to say right now, please don't, uh, you know, listeners of locked on bills or the Bruce exclusive, you know, you guys do herd mentality. You do the almighty takes like, don't start flooding these guys with Marvin Lewis questions, please. If there's anything that you can do, that's uh you, you hear I hear the pain in each of your voices as you talk about that. <laughs> so why don't we why don't we transition out of some of those expectations and let's talk a little bit around Josh Allen. And and Bruce, I am gonna go to you first with this, but I, I want to tee it up just a little bit because you've talked in the past about whether or not Josh Allen has the clutch gene. And I think the definition of the clutch gene has certainly changed, right? At least from when we've seen Josh during the 2019 season and going to 2020. And and I say this right as we were watching the Cardinals game this past weekend and and the Bills are driving down the field and my wife turned to me and she asked she said, "Okay, well they're in field goal range like if they kick a field goal they can tie the game." And I said, "No, we're not playing for a field goal. We're playing for a touchdown now." During the 2019 season, I don't know if the quarterback that Josh Allen was, or maybe even the head coach that Sean McDermott is, the play caller that Brian Dable was, if the Bills would have been playing for a touchdown at that time, or if they would have been playing for three points to try and push the game to overtime and what that would have looked like. And as I was watching that game, right, there was just a weird sense of confidence that I had. And by no stretch was Josh Allen playing a great game on Sunday especially in the second half, as Bruce talked about in his Thursday pod and just some of the things that weren't working right on the offense. But with that, I just had this complete confidence that, yeah, Josh Allen is going to drive down the field. The Bills are going to score a touchdown and they're going to win this game. And and I know that's right. That's just more going with a gut feeling. And, and Bruce, I know you've got you know, your thoughts on this, but I would just love to get your take because for me, I mean, There's just that complete confidence in the fourth quarter. Not that he's going to put the team into field goal range, but that they're going to score a touchdown and put themselves in a position to win.
1: I think the clutch gene is a thing. There is a discussion as to whether or not clutch gene is a thing. I I do think the clutch gene is a thing. I think there's really three things to talk about when it comes to the clutch gene. The first is, is it a thing? Are there people out there who simply perform better under pressure than their peers? And I think that that's clear and observable in all aspects of life, has nothing to do with football. We have people who perform better under pressure and they react better to the presence of pressure stimulus than other people. The second thing is, does it matter if you have the clutch gene? And when I say, does it matter, it's, okay, is it something that is a net positive for a quarterback? And I think the answer is yes, yes, it, it matters if you have the clutch gene. I don't think it matters as much as people think it does because if, for example, during the third quarter lull that we talked about, if the Bills score a touchdown there, then whether or not he has the clutch gene at the end isn't really relevant all that much. Points scored is points scored. If you scored 60 in the fir- first quarter and then you don't score any for the rest of the game, I'm cool with that. That's fine. 60 points is still good enough to win. The vast Can't wait for that to happens. happen. So I, I think I'd be okay with that. And the third thing that is associated with clutch gene is not, is it a thing? It's not, does it matter? It's, can it be obtained? Is it natural? Is it something you either have or you don't? And I think that that's observable in nature and all other aspects of human interaction as well, in that you can develop a clutch gene. If you are in more of those situations over and over and over again, you can train yourself to perform better under pressure. Now, There are some people who are going to naturally have more of an affinity towards it than other people. And I think that Josh Allen, because of that gamer mentality, because of that hero ball thing that we hate so much about him sometimes, that's the reason why we love the clutch gene. And so we talk a lot about on my podcast traits versus flaws and flaws are things that are just intrinsically negative. Every aspect of them is negative and traits are things that have both positive and negative manifestations. And I think hero ball is a trait. Hero ball is a trait that has positive manifestations. And that one of those positive manifestations is clutch gene. The idea that I can be the hero because I've been the hero before. I know how to be a hero when it's 34 seconds left to go in the game. And I got to throw a hail Mary. Now, of course I'm talking about Kyler Murray in that case, but the fact of the matter is that if that pass gets knocked down, we are talking about Josh Allen and the clutch gene, probably the entire week. But The fact that Kyler Murray made that pass doesn't eliminate the observation that Josh Allen has proven once again he has the clutch gene. And I would say it does matter a little bit. I think it might be a little overrated as a trait, but Josh Allen clutch is a real thing. I I don't know how many other times, fourth quarter game winning drives, Joe Marino talked about it on his podcast multiple times, that Josh Allen's right there at the top of the list since he came into the league as far as game winning drives. So, Would I ideally like us to be up by 14 so he doesn't have to have a game-winning drive? Sure, that would be ideal. But if you have to have the ball there, you would like a quarterback to have a trait. The more traits your quarterback has, the higher the ceiling is, period. Ceiling is a collection of your traits. Clutch gene is a trait. It's one of the things that contributes to Josh Allen's ceiling, not just his arm, not just his athleticism, his clutch gene.
0: Bruce, I could listen to you talk about the clutch gene all day. Honestly, I mean that, right? Because with the way you break it down, it just as as you're describing it, it brings that, I guess, more confidence as a fan and Josh Allen and what he brings to the team. But you know, as Bruce said, Joe, you have mentioned this on your podcast on multiple occasions. I mean, talk to me about your thoughts as it relates to it. But just also, have you seen that shift right of 2019 Josh Allen to 2020 Josh Allen? Not just when we look at statistics, but again, that ability to deliver in, in these clutch situations.
2: I I think about what you were saying there, Anthony, when you were kind of leading into this. And I felt exactly the same way in that last drive. Like, I'm not interested in a field goal here. I'm just not. So, and, and there was a belief in me that despite really an offense that was flat for the entire game, that Josh Allen can engineer it. And he did 12 plays, 78 yards in three minutes, 34 seconds left in the game. The Bills are up by four. Like, he did it in circumstances where that offense wasn't clicking consistently at any point in that entire game. But when it mattered, he put it together. Um, I mean, he's done it time and time again. To give you the numbers that Bruce had referenced, Josh Allen has 11 game-winning drives since 2018 when he entered the NFL. That's second only behind Drew Brees, who has 12, and it's tied with Russell Wilson, who has 11. I mean, he's right there in the, the cream of the crop when it comes to Game winning drives and showing up in big moments. The other number that I've been talking a lot about on my podcast is uh, one score games. And I've done a lot of work here in, in letting everyone know that 50% of NFL football games are one score games. So that's the most common result. Last year, the Bills were three and three in one score games. This year, they're five and one. And that includes the loss last week to Arizona. Like, not only are you seeing a quarterback that delivers in clutch situations, but you're seeing a team that is performing better when games are tight and we can talk about how they can some of their own self-inflicted wounds contribute to unnecessarily tight games but it's kind of what happens in the NFL their games are tight whether that's because you get a lead and the other team comes back or you know you're the team coming back but this team has proven this year that they can win close games and Josh Allen has done nothing but affirm that he's a clutch quarterback so i think we want to see more consistency from the team to lead to less necessity for those moments. But damn it, they the team and Josh Allen has delivered time and time again.
0: When Joe Marino says, damn it, you know he means it. So that's a, uh, a point of emphasis, to say the least. Jay Spence, I want to get your take on Josh Allen in the clutch. And, you know, you're in one of those situations, right? You're going live with the chop up like right after the game. Right in many situations, or shortly thereafter, so you're getting that real time reaction. So I'd be curious, right from from your perspective, as you go on air and it's kind of some of that instant analysis. But as it relates to to Josh Allen in the clutch, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, so it's interesting. So a couple of weeks ago, we had the chance to see the Patriots come to Buffalo and lose a game in the last moments where they normally would win. You know, we're used to Bill Belichick coach teams winning, and now. You know, Bruce and Joe just so beautifully, you know, explained how it seems like over the last couple of seasons and this season, um, the Bills just seem to perform very well in those situations. And it's interesting because previously, Bills fans, you know, we were emotionally abused, you know, because the offense wasn't good. We've had, you know, we just didn't have quarterbacks with clutch jeans for quite some time. Defense always kind of showed up, but the offense dif- didn't. So you would have fans really being nervous in those moments. And and some of them still are um, I, I'm part of certain group ch- chats during a game and all that stuff. And, and fans are still nervous when it comes to these situations, but hindsight post post game fans are excited now to have somebody like Josh Allen. And it's refreshing to, to actually, you know, to be a bills fan and to have that we haven't had that in so long. So now to have Josh Allen lead this team, it, It's changing. It's changing in the sense that I brought the Patriots because it's changing in the sense of the Patriots were once that dominant team in the AFC East that that did always win those games. Now it's our turn. It's our turn to do it with Josh, man, and and it's fun. The the fan base feels it, and the team is confident. You can see. I I would love the defense to see that now, and I would love the defense to get that swag back as well. But you can see the team walking out in the fourth quarter with Josh; they're not nervous. They know they can win this game. They know they have a chance to win it. And to to have this team now, man, it's it's exciting. So in real time, it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Jay Spence, I want to come right back to you with my next question as well. And it's still tied into Josh Allen, and it talks about the MVP race. Um, obviously, right, I follow the Bills closer than any other team in the NFL. And we hear a lot of the discussion, right, about the the MVP candidates across the league. And you hear about Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray aaron Rodgers, you know and then once you get to that maybe fourth or fifth person in the discussion you will hear about josh allen and you know i don't want to sound like that armchair quarterback that just is looking at box scores and statistics and pieces like that but i would be hard pressed to find a more valuable player in the national football league than josh allen and i realize in some situations it's a little bit of narrative right russell wilson has been overlooked in the past and that's probably not something that should happen so Maybe he's considered the front runner at this time. But when I look at what Josh Allen is doing, right, the, the pass-heavy offense for the Buffalo Bills, the regression from the defense, how he has played, I would be hard-pressed, right, if you are just looking at any player to say that there's any more valuable player to their team than what Josh Allen is to the Bills.
3: That's a good statement to make. I mean, Josh, he, he is the heartbeat of the offense. Uh, we don't have a running game like we're used to seeing. So the, the yards that we do get from Josh on the ground are huge for our running game. And then, like you said, the offense this year in the passing game looks completely different. And and he is that leader, but I just don't think that this year, you know, we'll see now this week coming up, we're on our bye week So statistically the other quarterbacks can kind of catch up with them as far as games played. So we'll kind of see where that is. Um, but I do think that four, five, Position in the voting, I think that that's a good place for him. I do. I think Russell Wilson kind of played himself out of it, um, but he's picking it back up. this This uh this past Thursday, he played pretty well against the Cardinals. But I, I still think right now it's Aaron Rodgers' award to lose. I could be wrong with that, um, but I would love to see Josh in that conversation, especially seeing that we haven't had somebody in that conversation since what the early nineties. So it would it would be great to see him in that conversation, but. You know, I am nervous about the fact that if Josh, if God forbid, if something were to happen to Josh with a, a short term injury, the, the talent drop off in quarterback is so it's the, the gap is so large. So in that sense, you're correct. Josh Allen is the most valuable player to this team. It doesn't matter if we have Stefan Diggs and, you know, Cole Beasley in the slot. It doesn't matter because the quarterback position is. Yeah, we'll be able to move the ball a little bit, but nothing like what we have. I think our offense will look a lot like what we saw early on last year or even the year prior where we were worried that we wouldn't be able to move the ball at all or score points. So, you know, I'm I'm very, very nervous about that. But as far as what we see every week, I just I would find it very difficult um, or I, I would just find it impossible almost to to not see Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers taking that award this year.
4: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
0: Joe, I want to get your take on this too, right? And obviously, I mean, you have been following Josh Allen for a period of time. And when you think of just everything, right, of him coming out of the draft and so many question marks around him, and here he is in his third season, even being a part of that discussion. But when it does come to that MVP race, where do you see Allen?
2: You know what's funny is I want to kind of apply a philosophy that I've had to something else regarding the Bills to this conversation. And this happened last year. The Bills had a good record midseason And there were some tougher games coming up on the schedule, and people were calling the Bills "paper tigers" and all this, that, and the other. And I'm like, "Well, do it or don't. Like, go prove that you're a 10 win team and go to the playoffs, or don't." And I feel that way about Josh Allen with this MVP discussion. He's in the discussion. I mean, you're you're not getting you're not getting to five or six names without including Josh Allen. So I look at this schedule and I see Monday Night Football at San Francisco. I see Sunday Night Football at home against Pittsburgh. I see a Denver game that's going to be on Saturday most likely where the eyes of the nation are going to be on it. Then you go play New England on Monday Night Football and you could have a meaningful game in Week 17 to win the division for the first time since 1995. You want to be the NFL MVP, you got six games to go earn it and do it or don't. And so is Josh Allen going to prove that he's the MVP, carry this team through this stretch, get them a division title, show up on these big primetime stages, and if he does, we can talk about the Aaron Rodgers and the Russell Wilsons, and Kyler Murrays, but Josh is going to really have himself a really strong resume to be in that mix. So he's in the conversation right now, but if you want it, brother, it's right there. The showcase games, the primetime games, the opportunities to produce, the opportunities to achieve things that haven't been achieved in Buffalo for 25 years it's right there. Do it or don't.
0: man. Coach Joe Marino got me ready to run through a wall right now. You know, with, Sean McDermott's going to have you in the locker room before the game against the Chargers just to be like, either do it or don't, you know, and just uh, put it out there on the line yeah. for everybody.
3: Well said, Joe. I love Very it. well said. Right?
0: I, I love it, man. I love it. So, Bruce, what are your thoughts on this? I know sometimes when we talk about these awards, it's you know they're a little bit secondary right to what's really important when it comes to the team's performance but uh, i would love to get your take here
1: the nfl mvp award over the last couple of decades has been the cumulative sum of team success and quarterback statistics multiplied by media aggregation that is what the mvp nfl award is about at this point
0: you have to man, have. when Bruce is on, when Bruce is on the show, it gets like the the level of vocabulary and grammar and just it, it it takes it up, not just a notch, man. You you are the man. You are the man.
1: I mean, that, that that's what the NFL MVP award is, right? It's a statistics of the quarterback plus team success. And then you bundle that all up and you multiply it by what Joe Marino said, the showcase games, what we hear in the media as MVP moments, because you need the support of national media to get the attention there. And so we're having an opportunity now with primetime games, with the opportunity to be in a tight race. Right? If you run away with things, you don't have an opportunity for those those MVP moments the way you want to. You know, Lamar Jackson beating the New England Patriots, because people think wins are a quarterback stat, even though they're not, Lamar Jackson playing the New England Patriots and just stomping them on national television in primetime was a big part of his MVP campaign last year. That was a meaningful part of it. Josh Allen's going to get his crack at those games. He's going to get his crack at those opportunities. In fact, I would argue that Josh Allen against the Steelers is a really good opportunity for that because the primetime game is the 49ers, if he blows up the 49ers, it's now just, well, you know... The 49ers aren't what they were. So there needs to be a narrative, and the media creates that narrative. So you really take success of the team plus quarterback statistics, and right now, if you took a composite of Josh Allen's holistic metrics right now, if you took QBR and PFF grade and DVOA and all these things together and you average them all out – Josh Allen's a top eight quarterback in this league right now, based on the way he's performing, based on a holistic composite average of these things. I'm writing a big article. I just finished a 3,800-word article on Buffalo Rumblings about this exact same thing. And you can't argue he's not playing well. So what you need then is the other two pieces. You need the team success in wins and losses because media and voters are biased and they think wins are a quarterback stat even though they're not. So you need that. And then you need those showcase games. You need the MVP moments. And these last couple of games are going to give Josh Allen an opportunity. He's not out of the MVP race. We just need those last two components to step up. And we need the quarterback holistic metrics and the numbers that people need to support that to increase a little bit or stay steady.
0: Bruce, I, I'm thinking right now, I, I'm gonna reach out to Dell Reed at 26 Shirts, and we need a wins are not a quarterback stat
2: absolutely for an
0: upcoming 26 shirts. I'll model we're, it with a bag over my head. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, that would be fantastic. But as you both, as all of you were talking about this, right? And talking specifically to your point, Joe, right, about those those showcase type of games. Do we want the Pittsburgh Steelers to be undefeated? when the bills take on, take them on, on Sunday night football, right? When you talk about this type of piece, at least as it relates to the, uh, the MVP race and just some of the narratives that are out there.
2: It's probably helpful. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's required. They're, they're going to have a great record. Nonetheless, I think it just comes down to, I mean, if he put, goes out there and lights up Pittsburgh, that's a good defense. I mean, whether they're 12 and zero or nine and two or whatever, you know, they're, That'll be a highly respected win, especially because it'll be in front of a national audience. And let's face it, the two times that that's happened so far this year, uh, Tennessee and Kansas City, this has been Josh's two worst games. So he, right. he's he's he got to have – he's got to kind of flip that and show up in these – these. not that he didn't show up. And I know there's some unusual circumstances against those games. But, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's that opportunity where the eyes of the nation are going to be on him and he has to – He has to play well. The team has to play well. And again, I don't think that an undefeated Steelers team moves the needle because I think at worst, they're going to be nine and three.
0: Guys, as we as we take a step forward, right, we talk about Josh Allen and the fantastic season that he has had. And it's, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the upgrade in weapons that he has around him. You think back to the 2018 season, right? So just two years ago, as the Buffalo Bills would have starters like Zay Jones, Kelvin Benjamin, Jeremy Curley, Andre Holmes. Um, and here they are now with a trio, right, of John Brown, Cole Beasley, and the guy I want to focus on here and Stefan Diggs. And I know in so many ways, right, when we talk about Diggs and the trade and you think back to March, right, Bruce, I think back to the podcast that you did after it was announced. And you know, here we are with uh, the leading receiver. In the NFL. And people would say, oh, the Bills gave up too much. He was going to be a diva, this and that. But just how much of a difference has he made? And I don't say it just from like looking at statistics, but the player that he is out on the field. Bruce, why don't you kick this one off for us? Because I'd love to get your take
1: here. Stephon Diggs and the presence of him in this offense helped Josh Allen answer the question as to how you defend this offense and forced defenses to move on to plan B. Last year, you ran cover one, cover zero, tight man, broad pressure, and you dared Josh Allen and this wide receiver core to beat you and separate in the short area and allow Josh Allen to make throws down the field because those are the ways that you beat. Cover one and cover zero, heavy man with pressure. You beat them in the short area and you separate, and you beat them down the field. And Josh Allen was, I, was not able to do either of those things last year. Stefan Diggs is part of the reason why Josh Allen lit up teams for the first couple of ye- weeks of this year. And now defenses have moved on to a different strategy to defend Josh Allen. Nowadays, you know, if you look at the Cardinals, the Cardinals were bringing a lot of zone pressure and they were trying to say, okay, I want to get the pressure that I, other teams we're getting from cover one and cover zero. I want to get those types of pressure, but I'm afraid that if I devote too many men to it, Josh Allen's going to carve me up. So how can I do that? How can I check the boxes? And the answer is we bring zone pressure. We bring Byron Murphy off the edge. We bring Buda Baker off the slot and we drop Hassan Reddick into coverage from the backside. We drop Marcus Golden into coverage from the backside. So we're bringing four, but that four has a higher propensity to get pressure. than if we, were to just bring our normal four down linemen. And so this is an example of defenses being forced to move on to their secondary and tertiary options as far as how to defend Josh Allen in this offense. And that's what Stefan Diggs has meant. Now, could you argue that that was going to happen to a limited degree anyway, just from the development of Josh Allen? Sure. But Josh Allen can develop all he wants. He still needs people who could beat man. And that's what Stefan Diggs gives him. And so I don't think we would be seeing the same level of progression at the same speed from Josh Allen without Stephon Diggs because it wasn't just about getting a good player. It was about getting a specific type of player that specifically helped counter the way that defenses were playing Josh Allen in 2019. And that's what Stephon Diggs represented. And that's what he continually represents to this offense.
0: Jay Spence, what is your take here? Again, right? Like as you look at just the the increase, right, of the Bills becoming a, a modern passing team in the NFL. Um, what are your thoughts as it relates to Diggs, kind of the the transformation of this offense and what he brings to the team?
3: I think the the thing that he really brings to the team outside of the obvious, you know, he's leading the league in receiving yards up to this point. Um, aside from that stuff, he just brings that that mentality of winning and the refusal to lose and in the games that we did see the bills lose earlier in the season, not the Cardinals game, but the game where, you know, the game was kind of sort of over you, you saw Josh and Stefan Diggs on the sideline going around, you know, ramping these guys up, encouraging their teammates, letting them know that, you know, Hey, we're still a good team. This is one game not to get down. It's just a different level of leadership that I, I don't think that we've seen in quite some time. Um, having a number one receiver as well, it also opens up doors for the penalties that we normally don't ever get. So those throws were, you know, when Josh and and Josh is clutch, we just talked about how clutch Josh is in the fourth quarter and, and at other moments of the game where it's very important. But another thing is when Josh might not be as clutch or if something is a little off or whatever, normally we wouldn't get the cause that are the benefit of the doubt cause. Now with Stefan Diggs being on the field, stretching the field for certain plays we'll get certain calls that will still continue to allow drives to go so you know it's really you can't overstate just how much of a a benefit that he's been to not only the offense but the entire team but you know Stefan Diggs is amazing to have and, and and it's like the perfect marriage to the talent that Josh Allen is you know I know coming into the league we all you know had our reservations about him as inaccuracies and all these other things but the type of arm that josh allen has and then the the type of route runner and with the speed that digs is it's just a match made in heaven so you know like like i said you can't overstate the importance and the you know the just everything that that digs brings to this team you just can't No, and
0: I love your point about him being a a leader on the sideline, and again, not just a leader on the offensive side of the ball, but right to the entire team and just bringing that kind of energy uh, that we've certainly seen through these first 10 weeks. Joe, as I throw it to you, in addition to Stefan Diggs, why don't uh, you share some thoughts on Cole Beasley as well, because I think as we we look at things with the injuries to John Brown, uh, Cole Beasley certainly stepping up. I mean, we've seen multiple hundred yard games from him so far. So, you know, your thoughts on Diggs, but I know James and Jay Spence and uh, and Bruce shared a lot there. Would love to uh, to get your thoughts on, on both Diggs and Beasley and what they mean right now.
2: Well, in, in Diggs and Beasley, the Bills are on pace to have two 1,000 yard receivers, which speaks to how productive they've been, especially with John Brown not being really healthy at any point so far this season so it's been great to see those guys absorb that production but when we think about Beasley I think the exciting part is despite him leading the NFL in receiving from the slot both receptions and yards and doing so by a pretty large margin I think we want to see more Beasley and we know that good things happen when Josh Allen targets Cole Beasley and so Maybe, maybe the blessing here and not having a healthy John Brown, which we hope will be the case after the buy, is that even more so the chemistry between Beasley and, and Allen have has really flourished. And one thing that I want to give Brandon Bean some credit for is the way he built this wide receiver core. I know that twenty eighteen was not ideal, but in twenty nineteen he brought in Brown and Beasley, and this year he traded for Diggs. And I see a lot of different teams, and I, I pay very close attention to roster construction. And I see teams trying to give their young quarterback weapons, but it's in the draft, right? They want to give them receivers, but it's a young receiver. And I look at what the Denver Broncos did this past year with Drew Locke, who had some momentum coming out of his rookie season, and everyone expected him to take a step forward this year. And then they just went out and just drafted you know, Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler and He's got a, a second year tight end and Noah Fant. And you just look at the makeup of these weapons and you're like, yeah, they're all really talented, but you have a developing quarterback around developing weapons. And we've seen Drew Locke play horrible this year. Ten interceptions and seven starts. I mean, just he doesn't he doesn't look like he belongs as a starter in the league. And I think while I think Drew Locke has talent and, and the book on him is not written, I think they did a very big disservice in not getting him established weapons to throw the football to. And that's what I like about what Bean did for Josh Allen. He said, look, we know, we recognize that you're a raw quarterback coming out of Wyoming that we took a chance on. We, you know, we bet on ourselves to develop you. We understand that the best way to do that is make sure that everything around you is stable so that you can actually develop. And that you're not you're you're not concerned with a brand new receiver that's never ran routes in the NFL or ran an NFL route tree or understands the terminology of a playbook to be the guy that's going to be your most targeted guy in this in this offense. And look, I understand Justin Jefferson for the Vikings is having a really good year and a lot of other good, you know, young rookies r- rookie receivers, but I wouldn't trade the veteran know-how that you get in a digs and of course to add to Beasley and Brown for that younger player even if they come cheaper because I think this is what Josh Allen needed. He needed veteran know-how guys around him so that he can become hit the best version of himself and Brandon Bean deserves credit for for giving Josh Allen that
0: no, and he certainly does deserve that credit, right? When you take a look at it, and as we've all stated, right, the two of them clicking on so many levels, and again, just this Buffalo Bills offense, I think uh, surpassing any of our expectations heading into this year. Now, before we wrap up, right, because we're coming up on almost an hour, I got one more question for you guys. You can just jump in with this at, at any point, but, right, you can look at things and say, there's there's some guys that have underperformed for the Bills this year. I mean, that there's more players than, than we would like to be able to choose from over these last six games that the bills have on this, the regular season schedule and heading into the playoffs. If there was one guy that you could just say, man, like I need this guy to revert back to form. Who is that player that you would look at and say, Hey, if he can bounce back over these past six weeks, over these next six weeks, heading into the playoffs, who would that big guy be for you? Jay Spence, why don't you go first?
3: I would I would love for Josh Norman to be Josh Norman from, obviously, Carolina days. But if not, I, I just want him to revert back to a healthy, serviceable Josh Norman. So if we could have somebody on the other side of Trey White really not shut down, but to, to really just – just make a difference on that other side where we're stopping those third down conversions where it's third and 7 or third and 6 and you see Levi or you see, you know, whoever over there getting beat on for that play. It kills us when when we allow the the offense of the other team to stay on the field. So if I could just, you know, get some type of some type of boost in that secondary with from that cornerback position for Josh Norman for me, that would be a dream come true.
0: Jay Spence, you are the man, and I think uh, picking Josh Norman, especially when you have the two presidents of the Josh Norman Fan Club on uh, on the line with you, <laughs> <and> Joe Marino <laughs> and Bruce Nolan, is uh, is is fan fantastic. So, um, Joe, you were in the chat box first, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go next because you called dibs on your pick here. So was, go for it.
2: Sitting here listening to Jay, I'm like, man, if I don't see Josh Norman play a snap, the rest of you that be. A-? <laughs> <laughs> that be okay with me. Give me Levi Wallace and, uh, and Dane Jackson, please. Um, so for me, I want to go with Matt Milano. And Matt Milano's played well when he's been healthy, but we haven't seen that very often. And we know he's got to get through this Chargers game, and then we get to see him back against San Francisco. And goodness gracious, the Bills are going to need him against San Francisco. I know that team's not the Super Bowl team that they were last year, but that's a team that makes me really nervous because, from a personnel perspective, they have some really, really talented players on defense. And even despite their injury to Bosa, you know they got really good, really good secondary and Tartan Ward and Jason Verrett's playing like a first round corner that he's been drafted to be. And you know Manuel Mosley and Richard Sherman. They got players back there, but that offense, that Kyle Shanahan offense, scares the crap out of me because it's all wide zone, which we got to be honest. The Bills don't defend the run well, especially that. Uh, and George Kittle could be healthy, and they got really good running backs that um, there's a bunch of them, and they have speed and elusiveness. And I'm like, the Bills better have their matchup linebacker and Matt Milano. So the only thing I hope Matt Milano has been doing for the last three weeks is studying this 49ers defense <laughs> and figuring out how he can be the, the neutralizer for uh, for the Bills' defense in that game. But we know what Matt Milano brings to the defense. It's a different it's a different unit when he's out there and, and, and he's healthy. So I think Matt Milano being the Matt Milano we know healthy the rest of the way is the guy that can make the biggest impact on this football team because the defense has got to play better, and it's better when Matt Milano's in there, and hopefully he's healthy once we get to that San Francisco game.
0: Well, and right, Joe? I mean, we haven't seen a healthy Matt Milano since the first half of week one. Yep. against the New York Jets. And to think that the team is 7-3 and three and obviously had some struggles on defense, um, but if he can come back to be the, uh, the Matt Milano we all know and love, um, that could be a great thing for the Bills. So, Bruce, what do you, what do you got for me here? I know uh, Joe jumped in, in front of you there to make sure that he had Milano, but who would be the player that you would highlight?
1: The player I want to highlight is Tremaine Edmonds. And specifically, I don't necessarily want him to revert to form. I want him to revert to trajectory. The trajectory that we thought he was on at the end of 2019. And I recognize that shoulder injury is a part of this. Tremaine Edmonds has played markedly better over the last two weeks. However, we have talked about this defense that Sean McDermott runs ever since he came from Carolina. We've talked about it being a linebacker-centric defense. But yet when the defense doesn't play poor, doesn't play up to standard and starts playing poorly. We don't immediately look at the linebackers, which I think is kind of weird. We said it was a linebacker centric defense, but then when our main playmaker linebacker that Matt Milano goes out and is hurt when he is in and is playing limited snaps to kind of try and limp along and our middle linebacker has a shoulder injury and isn't playing up to snuff, we start looking for other examples. We start trying to pin it on Ed Oliver for some reason. We start trying to pin it on other people and we go, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We said it was a linebacker centric defense. And then the linebackers are hurt and not playing well. And we're not looking at that as the reason why this team is not playing up to snuff on the defensive side of the board. And with Tremaine Edmonds being as close to 100% with the shoulder as he's going to be is what Leslie Frazier said. With that being the case, now's the time to get back on the trajectory, not necessarily back on the form, but back on the trajectory that he was on at the end of 2019, because much like the Josh Allen pick. You knew what you were getting with Tremaine Edmonds. You were getting freakish athleticism and tools with the belief that you could turn him into a elite middle linebacker in this league. Because otherwise, you would have been targeting Roquan Smith. If you wanted someone who had all the instincts, but wasn't that level of freak upside that you thought you were getting with Tremaine Edmonds, you would have targeted Roquan Smith with that trade-up. But that's not what you did. You traded up and you got the freak athlete, just like you got with Josh Allen. So you have to give him time to develop. So the difference between Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds is that Josh Allen hasn't had the injury to derail his trajectory the way that Tremaine Edmonds did. So now that he's back, I want to see the reverting to the trajectory we thought he was on at the end of 2019. By the end of this year, we could be talking about Tremaine Edmonds the way we wanted to be talking about him at the middle of this year, which is, This is an upper echelon player now, folks. Like This is a really good player that defenses are going to be, ah, dad got it. I got to play against Tremaine Edmonds. He's going to mess up my whole game plan. That's what we wanted when we traded up to get him in the first round of that draft. And that's the type of trajectory I want him to be back on.
0: Well, those are certainly three great choices. For me, it's Mitch Morris, right? Mitch Morris recovering from the concussion. I know certainly been a storyline earlier this week of just, Sean McDermott's comments from the press conference and and really what that is going to mean, um, hopefully, right, it was just a precaution heading into the bye week of while he was cleared that he will be uh, able to come back and, and be healthy and not put himself at any other risk. But quite honestly, the reason I picked Mitch Morris is just so John Feliciano can go back to right guard. And we never have to see Brian Winters play another snap for the Buffalo Bills again. So it's a little bit um, self-serving from that standpoint. But that's uh, that would be my choice there. So you know, for for you guys, um, as we go through before we wrap up, I want you to tell everybody where they can find your work, where they can find you on social media. Um, Bruce, let everybody know where they can find you.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Anthony. I really appreciate it. My name is Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. And my pod, the Bruce exclusive, drops every Thursday and Friday
2: on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network.
0: Joe Marino, where can we find you?
2: Uh, Joe Marino is the name. At the Joe Marino is the Twitter handle. Uh, host the Locked On Bills podcast. It's daily on the Buffalo Bills. And if you really can't get enough, uh, I do a daily podcast on the NFL in general, the Draft Dudes podcast, and all the written stuff can be found at thedraftnetwork.com.
0: And Jay Spence, I know you shared at the beginning of the show uh, the work that you were doing with the Chop Up and the Code of Conduct podcast, but why don't you make sure that everybody's got that, just to be sure.
3: All right. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Jay Spence the, King. Um, the Code of Conduct comes out every Tuesday on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. On Sundays with Mookie Hawkins, I do the Chop Up. That will be available on YouTube and on all of the Buffalo Rumblings streaming networks. And on Wednesdays, you can also find me doing... The uh, gosh, I forget the name of the show. Now I'm doing so much. Uh, You can find me doing the hump day hotline with Joe Miller as well. That will be on YouTube as well. So just search for J Spence, the king or hump day hotline and you will be able to find us there as well. And again, I just want to say thank you for having me on this platform. This was great.
0: Well, guys, I appreciate the three of you so much, obviously, by everything that you're doing. I know you're busy, and for me to ask the three of you to do one additional show, but as we are here in the bye week, I thought it would be great for us to have one of these mega podcasts. and. For all of you, I hope that you and your families have a great Thanksgiving holiday. For all the Bills fans out there that listen to any of our shows, thank you so much for following us, for subscribing to our networks, and just kind of being a part of Bills Mafia with each of us. So we wish you all a happy Thanksgiving, and as always, go Bills.